Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Eva Shappy. She's a trailblazer in Lyme disease research, and she has proven that Lyme has a protective layer called a biofilm. I was lucky enough to um, meet Eva last year at a conference, and um, I'm so happy to, to welcome you today, Dr. Shappy. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Rebecca. So, um, with this, the work that, well, first I want to know how you got involved in, in dealing with Lyme. This wasn't the first thing that you did research on. So what happened to put you in that direction? Um, there's an interesting story because I was a cancer researcher. I was working at Yale. I was a research scientist. And, uh, you know, one day I just didn't feel well and uh, I didn't understand and, uh, uh, you know, a couple of months later, still didn't feel well, uh, nothing, no test, you know, uh, positive. So, so it was a couple, couple of really rough moments. And finally, finally, one test suggested Lyme disease. Um, after I started to work on it, it uh, took me a very long time to even understand what's going on. And, uh, you know, a couple of scary moments uh, in my life. And uh, that is how I had to rethink, you know, what exactly what I want to research. Uh, I, was, I was an ovarian cancer researcher, and I was with the patient when they get the chemotherapy. I'm sure you know that they, they, don't, they don't have good prognosis. Mm-hmm. And um, I was sitting with them, and I, I, I just said, you know, at least you know, you know, you know what, what you have and people taking care of you, and I don't even know what I have, and I felt very lonely. So that really, really uh, shook, shook my, my, you know, my beliefs. And, uh, and when I started to get better and I started to read and, and try to understand what's going on, and uh, I was shocked to see that so much not known about this disease, and I completely switched my cancer research focus and I started to research Lyme disease. Well, you know, as a a, a, um, a Lyme sufferer um, or survivor, I want to thank you. I've been, I've been following your research for, for many years. And, um, you know, I think without people like you um, who have been, I mean, we have to be affected to, to bring the, this word about, which I, I, I don't think is right, but I guess is how, how it starts. But, you know, what you've done has been groundbreaking for Lyme. Um, and, and, you know, we're all, we're all thankful for that. Um, now, the way that you have this set up is, is you are working with your students at New Haven University. So how, how does that work? Uh, so I was at Yale, and uh, first of all, I'm not feeling well at this point. But I wanted to, uh, I really like teaching. So I was looking for a teaching job at this point, uh, um, different universities. And at one of the local universities, finally, I was able to get a, um, a, um, a teaching job. And the first two years, first of all, I'm not feeling uh, too good, yes. So the first two years, I was, you know, just, you know, learn about, you know, how to be a professor, how to, you know, how, how, what to do in a classroom. And slowly I started to, you know, figure out how to work with my students to be efficient. Now, when you work with students, obviously somebody, somebody walks into your office or to your lab and you have to train them. At the same time, they have such an interesting questions. Um, later we're going to talk about, you know, the latest, uh, what, 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 what is going on in my lab. And, for example, just, just like... Uh, Two years ago, a student walked into my office and, and, uh, and he asked the question whether uh, Borrelia can, the Lyme bacteria, can survive in vacuum. And I was like, I don't know. Do you want to research it? And he said, absolutely. So I, we're working on a manuscript and it's a shocking result. So when you're working with students, yes, I don't have technician. Uh, I don't have a postdoc. I don't have somebody who's working in a lab 24-7 with other universities. But at the same time, they bring you this fresh energy, fresh ideas, and I loving it. Hmm. Well, and and you know, even though it, it's students that are probably graduating and leaving, you're, you're 
you're discovering some amazing things. Um, Thank you. Now, yeah, before we get to that, I just want, um, can you explain to us why you need to do this? A lot of people believe that Lyme disease is treated with a couple months, a couple weeks of antibiotics and, and, um, and then you move on, but, but that's actually not the case. So what are the reasons why Lyme can be so difficult to treat? I mean, back to back to when I, you know, when I when I didn't feel well. Obviously, I was I was uh, you know searching for answers, and I think the best answers I'm got I got from Lyme patients because they told they told me what kind of treatment they got, you know, how they feel after the treatment, what happens like a couple of months after the treatment, and I kept meeting with them. It's actually it's a lot of a very good organization here in Connecticut, and I was lucky enough to. To, to you know to meet with them very early and and learn about the initiative, and I started to understand that this is is a short term of antibiotics not not efficient. Now saying that, I remember it was a it was a conference and and uh, people asked me whether short term or long term, and I just looked at them and I said I wish one day we're gonna have something which can you know which can eliminate this bacteria with a short term treatment. That that would be the final goal, but right now we don't have this right now. So we really have to better understand what is Lyme disease. We, I, uh, later we're going to talk about, you know, it is not just one bacteria, but probably multiple. So we, we really have to first understand what's going on before we started to develop different treatments. Um, you know, there's one uh, one bacteria, one treatment uh, model. I think that's that's a very very ancient ancient approach. I think it's it's time to rethink how we treat Lyme disease. Well, well, we we definitely do. I mean, it's very common for for people to go through treatment and then to feel sick again, and and. And, you know, biofilm is something that, that's talked about a lot, and you've done a lot of research on that. So maybe we can start with with, with what that is and, and why this is causing these problems. Um, so be, we, let's let's turn back the time a little bit. So we okay. started to, the first research, actually, what I did, I had no money for research at this point. I'm a professor, you know, I had to teach. Uh, it was some internal money at the university, but really very small amount, like maybe maybe two thousand dollars for a year. That was my budget. So, so the first thing we did, we went and actually collected ticks because it's free. Yes. So uh, I took my students and we went, you know, the local local places, and we collected thousands of thousands of ticks and we looked at co-infections. I wanted to see what else is there other than the Lyme bacteria. That was the first research, and um, that research actually uh, uh, resulted in a lot of interesting observation, like we find filaria or nematode, a nematode, which is not even bacteria. Just recently, uh, the New York scientist actually confirmed the result. Uh, but after I went back to the lab and I said, let's just, let's just start to culture Borrelia, the Lyme bacteria. So we started to culture, and I, I, I always tell my students, always repeat other people's experiments. Learn how you how you know can you repeat it? What do you find? Can you confirm those experiments? So that's what we did at the very beginning with my students. So we we took Borrelia, the Lyme bacteria, and exposed it to different antibiotics, and we just looked under the microscope. Very simple. What happens to this bacteria? And the very first experiment, we started to see that some kind of aggregates. It looked very strange under the microscope, and um, we didn't really understand. Uh, I, we saw there's some kind of contamination of the culture. So fortunately, I was able to get a, bact- uh, a bacteria which, is, which has a fluorescent tag to it, so it is like it's green, okay? So I said, okay, repeat the experiment, because if it's green, we know it's coming from Borrelia. So we, we repeat next one, it's still this big, big blob of, of aggregates after antibiotics, and that's when we started to believe it might be true. So at this point, obviously, um, we, st- we knew about uh, biofilms for other organisms, like Staphylococcus, for example, how, how much it makes this uh, bacteria very resistant. So that was our hypothesis at this point, that if we have this uh, form, that will be extremely resistant to uh, standard antibiotics. So next experiment was to see 
uh, whether it is true. So that was our 2011 paper when we showed that indeed this, this biofilm is very, very resistant. So I know you're asking what is biofilm. Mm-hmm. Think about when you go to your shower and you didn't clean it the last week because you got busy and it's sort of slippery, yes? Yes. So what you do is you, you, take, you take some bleach and, 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 and spray it, but it's still slippery, yes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, because it's, you have to scrub it. You have to scrub it. Now, why you have to scrub it? Now, on a shower, when you don't clean it, it forms, forms biofilm forms. And biofilm has this slimy layer. That's why it's slippery. This is called the mucopolysaccharide, big name. This is basically protects the, the bacteria what is under. So the reason you have to scrub it, even bleach, bleach nagdalamid, you really have to scrub mechanical to be sure that's eliminated. Of course, the bad news. If bio, Borrelia can make this biofilm, how can we eliminate it? Yes, that is really now. It's um, in 2012 paper we showed that it has layers of layers of layers of protection. So the question is, how can how can we eliminate something like that? Yeah, it, it, it is a very good question because it's been uh, probably since you've done this study, a, co- a topic, a conversation of, of what what do we do? Because any patient who's gone through treatment with Lyme knows that when they stop, they don't feel good, uh, you know, especially mm-hmm. if they're, you know, their, their symptoms come back and they have to go back on whatever it was they were taking, uh, whether it was herbs or antibiotics. And, um, you know, th- this is one of the one of the reasons why Lyme is so hard to treat is the biofilm. We believe so. Um, um, I'm working on a paper, that's why I mentioned to you, I'm finishing up my semester as a teacher, uh, working on, uh, you know, finals. Uh, But next week, hopefully I can go back to this paper. Um, There's an interesting study. Um, We got some autopsy tissue from a patient who died from Lyme disease. Uh, the patients are very well documented. It's PCR, culture, uh, seropositive. So we know she had Lyme disease. She was treated for 16 years with different antibiotics on and on. And at the end of 16 years, she ran out money. Um, insurance didn't want to pay anymore. So she was without antibiotic for, for three, four months. And suddenly she developed this massive inflammation and she died. So her tissue went to um, uh, Columbia, New York, to James uh, Goldman, a pathologist, and uh, fortunately he understood that it's a very, very important case, and he took all, all the autopsies, and he ha- still has it. We're working very closely. We finished one study um, when we looked at uh, major organs to see can we find Borrelia, if we find Borrelia, the blind bacteria, what form. And I, I, I hate to say, but we find it everywhere. We find it huge, huge biofilms. And the, the worst part of it, because, you know, she, she died in, in inflammation, that uh, we looked at inflammatory markers, and you could see the inflammatory markers right next to the biofilm. So we know that has to be some kind of co- uh, correlation. So we're working on this, uh, this paper the other paper is uh, right now we're working on, as I mentioned about this, is, you know, it looks like Borrelia can even survive vacuum for a while. That's, that's a shocking result. And the co-infections, looks like those Borrelia biofilms are, have more than just Borrelia. It looks like it's, it's other bacteria inside of this biofilm. We just published a paper in infected skin. We find chlamydia inside of Borrelia biofilm. Now, think about it. So Borrelia biofilm is already difficult to eliminate. Now you have another bacteria which probably helping even further. And the question, I know you're going to ask, so how many more? Uh, that's exactly what we, we, we try to figure out right now. Um, which is, you know, really interesting because when they're in biofilm, do we know what they're doing in there? Are they talking to each other? Are they hibernating? Do we understand what's happening? And uh, that's a, again, again, very good question. What what happens under this big umbrella? So I mean, we know about persisters, Dr. Dr. Zeng study from uh, from John Hopkins, uh, that uh, some of them we call the sleeper cells. What they do, they go to this very low uh, uh, metabolic state, state, which is basically sleeping, 
And the problem is antibiotics are, you know, working on active cells because they inhibit, you know, active growing. So obviously they're not going to work on the sleeper cells. Um, it's an interesting study just published saying even uh, when they come back, the sleeper cells, when they're awakening, they have different genes. They express different genes. It looks like they're even different. So this is scary. So we definitely probably we have some, some sleeper cells. Uh, we have probably SARS who, who are working on, you know, new strategies to, um, you know, evade whatever we throw at them. And uh, communication, that's, that's big. That's, uh, the, we call the quorum sensing. This is like emailing each other. Te- no, not emailing now. Texting mm. each other. This is a new generation. Texting each other all the time and try to figure out, you know, what to do when, when some, some, something dangerous coming. This is a completely new field. Uh, biofilm research is, you know, is, is, it started really uh, in the early 2000s. We're still in the early stage learning from, from only a few model, uh, model biofilm system. I think Borrelia just came as, as a new, as a new um, partner. Um, and we still have to understand what, what we're dealing with here. As I mentioned, uh, it is not just Borrelia. Can you imagine if it's, it's under this big you know, uh, castle? We have Borrelia, Chlamydia. We have evidence maybe even H. pylori. Maybe, but who knows? Maybe, maybe all those co-infections they love, love to, uh, you know, live together and and create this absolutely massive resistant resistant uh, uh, form. Um, one thing about um, Borrelia, if you, if anybody has a chance to look at our 2012 PLS one paper, look at those images uh, when we when we looked at in very high resolution. And uh, and maybe uh, maybe it will be uh, clear why I'm saying it. It looks like a castle. It it looks like a beautifully built castle. When when the when a castle is built, you know, people can people bacteria can come and hide in a castle. I just watched mm-hmm. Game, Game of Thrones yesterday. I don't know you <laughs> Game of Thrones fan. They all tried to hide in a castle. That didn't work because fortunately the dragon took care of them. But so back to the Borrelia biofilm, I, I believe that's like a castle, and I never forget Dr. Borescano, Joe Borescano, famous uh, uh, Lyme uh, physician, told me once that he believes that you first get the Borrelia after everything falls apart and, uh, and he can cure the patient. And I never forgot when I first uh, looked at these images and looked like a beautifully Bill's castle, and I wonder if you get rid of the castle like like the dragons yesterday, you know, that mm-hmm. uh, took care of the castle. Everything falls apart and after you can treat the disease. So I don't know. Right now, um, Rebecca, we really still have to understand how this castle is built and who is, who is hiding in the castle. Yeah. Um, we're going to take a quick break. I feel like I should have warned people that there was Game of Thrones spoilers. Um, <laughs> we're we're going to take a quick I'm break. Sorry about um, that. That's okay. <laughs> we're talking with uh, Dr. Eva Shappy, and uh, we're discussing Lyme disease. We're going to be back shortly. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. The largest syndicated alternative health talk program has come to the Voice America Network. The Dr. Bob Martin Show is the program that will answer your health questions and help you to heal your own body of many different ailments. Each week, you'll hear the answers that Dr. Bob gives to his callers that help them to be their own doctor most of the time. We'll also discuss developments on the health care front and what you need to do to keep your body in top form. The Dr. Bob Martin Show airs Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com again that's jeff spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info 
at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Everybody, welcome back. We're talking today with Dr. Eva Shappy, and she is a trailblazer in Lyme disease research. So, Dr. Shappy, we were talking about biofilm, and I want you to address something. Um, it, it gets talked about a lot um, that that biofilm isn't happening in Lyme or has only been proven in a laboratory, so isn't happening in people. And so, can you just talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. Of course, that was the first uh, question. So when after we find biofilm in the, in the test tube and we characterize it, that, um, I got lots of emails. You could imagine saying, no, you're never, ever going to find this in, in either a mouse, infected mouse, or, or in infected human tissues. And at this point, actually, somebody sent me some mouse tissues. Um, they infected with Borrelia. They sent me a few sites. And we first looked at the, the skin that where they inoculated the bacteria, and we couldn't find it. I was so upset. I said, okay, that's, that's not real. That's probably just maybe happening in a test tube. And so we keep looking. Fortunately, we got heart tissue from this, from this mice. And um, somebody told me that uh, if you want to find biofilm, you're probably going to find it at the, at the bottom of the heart. So... So I, we got the tissue, and the very, very first experiment, we did the, did the staining, and it was right there. Uh, you cannot imagine, when I saw this image, how relieved I was that this, it might be real. So after, of course, the question was, can we find this in a human tissue? Uh, and uh, I, was, I was lucky enough to work with Dr. Zager from Austria, who actually sent me some um, uh, tissue. This is a skin tissue, uh, infected t- uh, skin tissue called Borrelia lymphocytoma. Um, he already, uh, you know, he already analyzed this tissue. That was his, you know, his patient. He already find, you know, Borrelia in it. He said, try to see if you can see biofilm in this tissue. So that was the very first paper in back in 2016 where we were able to analyze those tissues and prove that is indeed biofilm structures there. We had some biofilm markers we identified in our, our test tube research, and we used this marker to, to, to be sure and prove that it's indeed biofilm. Um, we just uh, published a follow-up research uh, when we looked at these biofilms in infected skin tissues, and indeed, uh, we've seen it again, and, and as I mentioned, it looks like it's even some other bacteria is, is inside of this biofilm. The next thing, uh, as I mentioned, I'm working on it uh, right now. Uh, this, this paper from this patient who died uh, from Lyme disease. And again, we had four major uh, organs, autopsy tissues, and unfortunately we found biofilm all four. Um, I know, I know that's, that's obviously something, something we, need, uh, we need to continue and, and it needs some, you know, uh, obviously some some uh, verification from other lab. Uh, I don't know that you've seen Dr. Zhang published a very interesting study when he he injected the mice with just with the spirohid, the Borrelia spirohid, and also injected the mice with some aggregates. He calls it biofilm-like aggregates, and the result was absolutely different. Um, uh, uh, you uh, you could see. I don't know. Uh, you had chance to look at this paper, but. Uh, it was a different, uh, different inflammatory processes uh, occurred when he injected his biofilm-like aggregates. So, 
again, we need to understand it better. Uh, we need more research. We need, we need people who, who, you know, go back and, and get more tissues. Um, that's why I'm looking for some uh, more uh, biobank tissues, um, uh, working with some, some folks who are creating this new biobank. Uh, we need we need we need to have uh, researchers who are interested in this and and continue this research. I understand that you know just having one group saying that biofilm in the in the in the infected body is not enough. So I'm hoping that you know soon it will be more research on it. Well, and and to recognize it um, in a bigger picture will help patients who are claiming that they have symptoms when they stop treatment because at the moment it's very difficult to get treatment longer than um, two to four weeks of antibiotics and a lot of people aren't better and or their symptoms come back and you know this is hypothesized to be one of the reasons why and and it does make sense clinically when you look at it people are well and they have no symptoms they stop treatment and then they suddenly they have symptoms again I mean the chronic the chronic infection biofilm model is established in other like staphylococcus uh, uh, research Obviously, to to really to really prove that you know the reason they they they, they relapse those patients that's due to the biofilm a nature of this bacteria, we still need uh, additional proof. Uh, but at, you know, I'm Rebecca, I'm still still very uh, relieved that at least we have some idea where to look. I felt like even ten years ago we sort of in this. In this abyss, we ha- we didn't even know where to look. Why why this this bug is so difficult to eradicate? And you know, when when you when you don't have an answer for a patient, I I could imagine how those physician felt. Mm-hmm. Well, and and most people do want an end point, and there isn't always one because of this, uh, or because of you know. I'm sure there's way more. There's way more we don't understand about Lyme as well. Um, now, in your research, you you have um, done some research on stevia. Can you talk about that? It, um, it was you know the stevia research came out a complete frustration because uh, so what we did. We looked at the other biofilm research and looked at what uh, what kind of other we call the biofilm busters. You know, we can maybe apply for for Borrelia biofilm. So, so like Staphylococcus, very vast studies. So, whatever they said is working for for Staphylococcus biofilm. We tried it on on Borrelia biofilm and nothing works. Like nothing works. All antibiotics. Uh, even even when we find a good combination. Uh, with antibiotics, we put it on biofilm, hardly touching it. Is it this is this is almost like, you know, you could imagine years after years, it's nothing worse. And so at this point, uh, we also looking at the biofilm and different properties, and we start to understand it is is multiple layers of uh, uh, of protection. I mentioned this this slime layer. We figured out that it's multiple slime, multiple component of the slime layer is even calcium is protecting it. Uh, some kind of extracellular DNA is protecting it. So it's like layers of layers of protection. But the good news, we understood at the same time from those images that there are channels there. So we understood that if we can open the channels, we might be able to send send some agents. But how you open those channels? Um, well, some people say don't don't. Don't try to just, you know, try, try to threaten the biofilm because they just close the channels, but try to send a, we call the Trojan horse, yeah? Uh, when, the, when, those, uh, mm-hmm. when the Greek, you know, send the, send the Trojan, the, the, the horse, and, uh, you know, they, as a present, and they came out <laughs> uh, uh, and they killed all the Trojans. So, but, okay, how you find a Trojan horse? And it was a, it was a 2001, no, 2011, sorry, 2011 nature paper uh, describing that if you add sugar next to antibiotics, you're waking up the sleepers. And when you're waking up the sleepers, you had, you, your antibody going to work better. And that gives us an idea to try maybe some sugar compounds. So what you do when you want to try sugar? You just look around the lab. Okay, what kind of sugar we have in the lab? Okay, send send your send your students to the local store. Pick up any kind of sugar you can you can you can imagine. And of course, stevia was one of them uh, because I told them that everything everything which which you you would use in your coffee. So uh, 
So very, very first experiment, uh, we, we tried sugar with, without antibiotics, and stevia immediately worked. One of the, one of the liquid, liquid stevia worked. And I, I had to be honest, I was like, what? <laughs> without antibiotics. We didn't even, we, we didn't even need to combine it. It's, it looks like it's affecting the biofilm. We did some uh, high-resolution images. Looks like the biofilm is dispersed. How? We still try to understand. We actually we have a chemist who, who is now isolating fractions. So far, we don't have luck with working with those fractions, unfortunately. So we still don't understand how. So this research is still underway because we really need to understand what's happening with stevia. We have some crazy ideas also. Maybe, maybe it's not the compound, maybe something else in the stevia, because the stevia leaf comp, uh, extract, not just stevia. So anyway, so uh, um, in the meantime, Dr. Horowitz uh, was very interested. So he actually, when he was treated his patient with antibiotic, he also gave them stevia, and actually because from Dr. Zeng research, he also gave them oregano. And he claimed between those two, and antibiotic works much better. But again, we need we need more clinical trial. Uh, first of all, from our end, we need to understand what is what, how the stevia works. So that that research is still going on. Well, yeah, I was going to ask you for opening up the channel. So you're not breaking up biofilm; you're opening the door. Am I understanding that right? And then, yes. And then, what happens then? Does the the antibiotics or antimicrobial herbs go into the biofilm? Mm-hmm. But the question is, okay, so all right, so we need something with open source channels. Okay, that's that makes sense. Um, but after it is in, we still is dealing with a different population. Yes, the sleepers and uh, the one who uh, has altered, you know, maybe uh, altered uh, some phenotype. Who knows what is in this biofilm? And who knows how many different bacteria in the biofilm? Yes. So we still have to understand. When we go, okay, so we're able to get in what happens inside, how to blow the castle. I'm not, I'm not, not going there, don't worry. How to blow the <laughs> castle from, from, from inside. But, okay, we need to know who is in the castle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, so it, we're not quite understanding what's inside yet from, from what I, I am gathering. You know, we know that all the, we, we know multiple bacteria are probably in there. We know that there's channels and we know they're protecting themselves. And, and, and I mean, that's an important thing to understand so that we know why Lyme is so hard to treat, but for, for your purposes and, and for a cure, we need to understand this more. Absolutely. So one thing that that's um, new and emerging is talking about Lyme persisters. Have you done any work with them? I mean, when you work with biofilms, you're working with persisters. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is a persister by definition. Uh, yes, of course, we work with them. If you go back to 2011 papers, we we had we, the persisters. You create persisters by uh, making called a stationary uh, culture. What does it mean? You let the culture to grow a very high level, and that's when you start to create those persisters. The stationary culture is extremely difficult to eliminate. You could start to see the formation of these biofilms. They're usually very small aggregates. They're not, they're not attached to any surface. They're floating in the, in the, um, in the, in the liquid. And that was, was a paper just came out from Dr. Zeng lab that when you inject that into the mice, you get more inflammation. So, so it's definitely something about these different cells when you, when they're reaching a certain density. But what we find actually if you, if you're working with biofilm, especially attached biofilm to a, a surface, you, you can get these persisters even at a lower lower uh, density. Let's have to mention something. Um, uh, right now we're working with different tissues, and I have to uh, uh, mention we're also working with some malignant tissues to see whether we can see some spirohetal presence. So we, we really try to find what is exactly this spirohet function in, in, the, in, the, in the human body right now. So um, what we're seeing is uh, Morelia loves collagen. The only problem is, is our body is full of collagen, especially in the, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the different part of the, uh, uh, the tissue. 
So, so uh, we we have we have a surface for Borrelia which loves, and unfortunately, when Borrelia is in this in this uh, collagen embedded environment, uh, I I I I still don't know what is going to eliminate it. Hmm. Well, um, I guess that's why we we need more studies, <laughs> and uh, we are going to take a quick break. We're going to talk about this more when we get back. We're talking with Dr. Eva Shappy, and we'll be back shortly. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has a mobile app for iOS, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. We're on the pulse of the world with great shows and hosts. The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel is also on Twitter. We've got ideas to keep you healthy, breaking health news, and more. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAMHealth. That's at VoiceAMHealth. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Welcome back. Today we're talking with Dr. Eva Shappy. Um, so w- you have done a lot of studies on what is also effective towards the, the Lyme bacteria, not just the, the biofilm. And, and what have you found with that? I mean, obviously when we, when we started to see this uh, form, the first question was what can we use, you know, to eliminate it. And the very first studies we did, um, we we took regular standard antibiotics, and I said, oh, okay, let's try a different combination. Um, that didn't really work, so I said, okay, let's try some other, other you know, uh, antibiotics I heard from Dr. Horowitz and some Dr. Boreskano they're using. Let's see, maybe they, they will be effective. And the first round of studies with regular antibiotics was, was very disappointing, they usually worked on on the on the spiral heat, and even even some of them work on the, the stationary uh, the persisters. But if it came with, with biofilm, and especially when we put the biofilm in the collagen, as mentioned, uh, borealized collagen, it looked like nothing working. So so that's what I mentioned um, in the previously that it was extremely frustrating. Uh, so at this point, uh, a lot of people found us, you know, like like a small peptide, you know, they discovered for biofilm worked very well against some other biofilm, didn't even touch it. Um, uh, I mentioned the stevia research. Stevia looked like at least able to do something with it. And uh, uh, recently we're trying uh, some, some combination which was discovered for persisters, adoptomycin combinations. Unfortunately, it doesn't work on, on attached biofilms. We recently tried uh, with Dr. Horowitz some Dobson, uh, Dobson and Dobson combination. Uh, this is a persister drug. It has some effect on, on uh, uh, attached biofilms, so we're actually publishing this data, and he's getting some uh, success within his clinical studies. <clears throat> We also repeating some alternative uh, treatment. Uh, we, we also repeated Dr. Zhang's study with the oregano oil. We found it is, uh, has some effect. Again, again, we started to understand that, that uh, we need a different approach when it comes to biofilm. And again, uh, if you talk about, <clears throat> sorry, Borelli biofilm, 
hopefully we'll find something, something for it very soon. But as I mentioned, uh, we just discovered that there's more in this biofilm than one bug. So we might, after, we might have to repeat the whole thing and, and find agents which can affect, we call them mixed biofilm. Mixed mean, meaning more than one bacteria in it. So it's a little challenging, I have to be honest. Mm-hmm. Well, well, it is challenging, and I think that's what makes it so complicated. Um, and, and, you know, I, I'm, what do you see as the future of, of where this is going? Do you have some hope that we're going to find this solution and, and, and sort out how complicated this is? I hope so. I hope so. Um, first of all, I always say you have to know your enemy first before you're able to eliminate it. We didn't know our enemy. We, we, we were shooting some unknown something, you know, with the antibiotics, and, and, and after we surprised that, you know, nothing happened really. Uh, so I think that now we started to understand enemies. We started to understand what, what kind of uh, uh, strategy uh, they have uh, to evade whatever we try to do. I always say in a human, you know, we have human brains, so hopefully we're able to, uh, to, able to uh, develop a strategy which is even good for maybe those mixed biofilms. Again, every, every research we're learning something new. I mentioned I mentioned this uh, research uh, we did with uh, vacuum, you know, no no oxygen. Um, uh, the student just uh, defended the thesis, and it's it's amazing to see, for example, high oxygen environment is also very very toxic for Borrelia. So maybe maybe we don't need, always need to think about you know antibiotics or even antimicrobial agent, but maybe oxygenate the body. Uh, just this morning, I, I ran, you know, ran on my treadmill, and 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 I, it's amazing how much better I feel right after. So, so mm-hmm. maybe we just need a completely uh, different, more holistic approach how to deal with this bacteria. Well, no, I think we do. Um, from my experience, and and you can correct me, but um, you know, antibiotics aren't doing it for people and the people that do find wellness are the ones that are approaching it from a different view and not just straight up doing antibiotics even if they do antibiotics the ones that get better are doing other things they're either adding herbs in or they're doing other therapies and and it seems like this just isn't going to have a a one-size-fits-all cure Absolutely, absolutely. When I when I was dealing with, of course, I took those, you know, antimicrobials. That didn't really make me better, and I changed my diet. You know, uh, I started to look at a way way more holistic way. I said, I my body is struggling with something, so I have to do everything to help the body to overcome this. Uh, I give you one example of what helped me. Uh, it was uh, somebody said try some lymph lymphatic massage. I never even heard what it is. They said maybe your lymph system is stagnant and you know cannot clear up you know the infection. The most pleasant massage you can ever have and tremendous help after. So 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 they are, we have we have other other modalities than antibiotics which can really really help. And some people try you know heat treatment. Uh, I always I always say you will know you. You know your body the best. You know what works for your body. So you could try, of course, take some antimicrobials, uh, but at the same time, think about how you help your body with diet. With uh, I always liked, even when I was very sick, a very light exercise just to move my body. I'm even just walking on a, on, on a, on a street. Uh, you know, just sitting on a sofa didn't do anything for me, even when I didn't feel well. So, so everybody should should should, you know, understand what the body needs and no, it's not just antimicrobials, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. You know, when when people ask me what got me better, um, you know, I used uh, the Cowden protocol, which are herbs that you have studied, but I also had knowledge of Chinese herbs and and other things because I was a you know I'm a practitioner, and I did other things, and I can't look back at what I did and say it was this one thing of everything I did, I look back and say it's everything that I did that got me better. I think I think the wheel got you better. I always say you have to you have to have the wheel to get better. 
and, and you will, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I always say the most important is, is vitamin L, which is love. Just mm-hmm. never give up, you know, just keep a positive, positive attitude that you're going to get better. I think that was the most important part of my recovery. Yeah, I love I, I love hearing up. that. I'm going to start prescribing vitamin L. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> <laughs> I you wonder know, how they, you bottle they, that. They use it for <laughs> cancer treatment. They ask mm-hmm. the patient to watch uh, funny, funny, funny movies, and this yeah. is one of the best treatments. <laughs> yeah, there's actually been studies on that, and I have prescribed. I actually went wrote out a prescription for someone to watch comedies because her boyfriend was teasing her, <laughs> and she was doing so. So, um, now, is there anything that you're working on right now that that is coming and emerging that that might change the the view of Lyme? Uh, yes, uh, we t- we try to um, we try to develop a new uh, model system. Uh, unfortunately, mouse we use mouse uh, for you know testing the the you know in vivo the you know uh, or antibiotics in animals, and unfortunately, extremely expensive. And mm-hmm. you cannot really test a lot of different combination. You know, herb maybe herbal agent combining with regular antibiotics. Um, so we, we, we understood we understood that we need a defense system, and I learned uh, we're working on something called zebrafish system. And I just spent some time last week with somebody who's who's using this system to test different agents. And uh, you know, she showed us that you can have like a like, like a little plate. You can put the uh, the embryos. You can infect them, uh, for example, with Borrelia, and after we can, you can you can put different agent for it. So this is what we're working on. Uh, I'm really hoping that's gonna give us like uh, a, you know a platform to test, not just like for example, right now when we when we test agent, uh, we you know we use only one one uh, uh, strain of bacteria, which is the B31, and it's actually not even the right one because that's not not even that virulent. So. Uh, and of course, when you test one agent, whether it is works on every single strain of Borrelia, the European strain, the new strains right now, you need you need a system to test that. So, and we don't have that. We, we just mm-hmm. don't have that. So, I'm hoping that Zebrafish Research will provide this platform that can really efficiently uh, test those antimicrobial agents, so we can find the right combination. And hopefully, maybe because it's seriously so inexpensive, maybe we can set up a thing for mixed mixed infection test. You know, antimicrobials for mixed infection. So we need we need a new platform to test our agents. Well, you know, and that that's the thing as well. You know, if you're doing studies just on on the Lyme or the Borrelia. Um, and then we know that there's other infections mixed with it that can add to the complication of what you need. Or I'm gonna I'm gonna hypothesize that it will add to how complicated the biofilm is because wouldn't they all just add their own idea or their own structure to the biofilm? Absolutely. For example, we we don't know why chlamydia is so frequently found in a Borrelia biofilm, but one thing we know that Borrelia doesn't. Use iron, and a lot of papers show that other biofilm iron is one of the main component. And we were thinking, for example, chlamydia can use iron, so maybe maybe chlamydia helps helps to make the iron castle. Now here you here we are again. <laughs> <laughs> well, it will, you know, and that is. Um, it will change how how we treat it because you'll have to know what infection you have in biofilm, which is makes it even harder to to test for because if it's um, hiding, you won't necessarily know what you're dealing with. So, um, I, I mean, I'm I'm foreseeing a future where we'll have tests for what your biofilm is in your body, so that you know what you need to treat it and what infection is there. That would be wonderful. But again, we need a system which is efficient in test multiple strain multiple infection, uh, multiple agents, and without breaking our budget, yes? Yeah. <laughs> yes. So um, <laughs> breaking the budget is an important one because we want you to continue doing what you're doing. And um, now is there, if anybody wants to help out, is there a way that they can donate? Oh, absolutely. Uh, 
Um, I'm going to post on Facebook page. We have we have a website for donations. This is the university the official website. Uh, uh, but you know, uh, if anybody wants to uh, help us, please first of all thank you. Uh, just you know, you can just send a text and just you know, with a letter saying that's for Lyme disease research. Uh, we have a Lyme disease account, and again, all the money going to the students. You know, a little bursar, a little material, um, and that's how we actually survive every day in the lab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is important. Now, um, I, is there anything that you want to finish off with that people need to know about what's going on before we end the show? Um, I, I know maybe maybe that, 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 you know, what we talked about, a little bit scary because now she's talking about biofilm, mixed biofilm. We don't even know what to, what to use for those mixed biofilms. But at the same time, I think that, that, that the, the fact that we now we know what we're dealing with, we know what to research, I think that's really going to help us to really move this field. I felt like the last uh, 30 years, remember, it's from 1982 when Bordeaux-Ferrai found Borrelia. That was a long time ago. And we're still struggling with this, with this disease. So I'm hoping that that's finally we get out from this stagnant phase and, and we can really move forward quickly and, and find, find, find potential cures and hopefully... We're not going to have those 2 million people, like you know, it was suggested, affected mm-hmm. by Lyme disease. Well, you know, I, I hope so, too, and, and not just for my sake, but for everybody's sake. We know that Lyme is emerging, and we're all going to be affected um, pretty quickly as as global warming and climate change is mm-hmm. changing where ticks are. So we do need, um, you know, this to change. And I, I thank you so much for, for what you've done for all of us. I, I appreciate okay, you yeah. and the work that you've done. Yeah, and, and I want to thank everybody who supported us in the past and, you know, recently in the future. Thank you very much. Uh, again, this is, this is just students uh, with fresh ideas and lots of passion, lots of energy in the lab. And, and I'm hoping that we can keep this going. Thank you very much yeah. for your support. Oh, thank you. Um, now, if anybody has any questions for you, is there a place they can get a hold of you? Oh, absolutely. We have a Facebook page. Uh, which is very easy, just uh, University of New Haven Lyme Disease Group uh, is really pop up. Or just send me an email. Very, uh, my email is very easily can be found, but it's my first initial, ecp at newhaven.edu. But again, uh, uh, very easily can be found uh, on the university website. Just Google my name. Well, perfect. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is, I, I loved having this conversation. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And I want to thank um, everybody for listening today. If you want to hear about, more about my journey with Lyme disease, you can find that on my website at dr-risk.com. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest. And um, thank you so much for listening today. Be sure to make today a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week.